I'm going to talk a little bit on a very simple subject tonight and uh, hope that I can help you just a tad. Is uh, anybody in this room ever said, well, what I ought to do is, huh? Whatever that ought to do was. What we ought to do is blank. Well, I want to talk tonight about things you ought to do. And I'm going to take it from the scriptures because I believe it's very important tonight to notice what the scripture tells every child of God. You know, there's some things in living for God that are, I suppose you could say, optional. There's some things that, that uh, you don't have to do to be saved. There's some things that we ought to do to be saved. There's some things we ought to do just to further the kingdom of God. Amen? I, I, I read and heard something the other day that, that startled me, but I, I, I believe it's a very true thing from my study. Do you know that servant is not capitalized one time in the New Testament? Not one time. Because servanthood is part of Christianity, but it's not something that you ought to boast about. It's just something that you ought to do. And I, I, I gave that a lot of thought. There's a lot of things that, that we, we as children of God, are, we are told in the Word of God, this is a must. The Bible said you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Can you say amen? That's not an option. That's not something you can do or you don't have to if you don't want to do. There are things that, that we are commanded by the Scriptures to do. The Bible said, be ye holy as I am holy, and without holiness no man shall see the Lord. So holiness is a commandment that God instructed the church to do. But there are several times in the Scripture. I just, I just flipped uh, in the computer and I typed in, give me the definition of ought. You know, it's, it's very, uh, it's an easy word. It's O-U-G-H-T, ought, ought. And here's what it is. is a verb. It, it's, uh, it's used to express duty or moral obligation. Duty or moral obligation. It's used to express justice, moral rightness, or the like. It's used to express propriety, appropriateness, or et cetera. It's used to express probability or natural consequence. As a noun, it is used as duty, or it is known to be duty or obligation. So when the scripture tells us we ought to do something, then it becomes a duty or an obligation to do that. Can you say amen? It's not just a suggestion that we need to ignore. It's something that is very important in our walk with God. For instance, the Bible said in Luke chapter 12, I'm going to give you several scriptures tonight. If you don't have time to look them up, you can uh, just jot them down, read them when you get home. But Luke 12 and verse 12 said, For the Holy Ghost, Jesus was teaching, and he said, For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought, to say, the Holy Ghost is going to tell you what you 
ought to say. Well, let me tell you, I don't ever walk to this pulpit that I don't ask God what I ought to say because this is not my church, it's God's church. It's not my position, it's God's place, amen? So we ought to ask the Holy Ghost what we ought to say. That is one, one very good reason we ought to do the things that are in the Scripture, amen? In Matthew 23, I'm just going to give you some Scriptures and expound on them for a little bit tonight. In Matthew 23, the Bible said in verse 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. You've omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy. Everybody say judgment. Say mercy. Say faith. That's what Jesus said. You've, 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 you've given your tithe, and you look good in doing that, but you have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith. Now watch what he said. These ought ye to have done, not to leave the other undone. Don't quit paying your tithe, he said, on, on, on the things that you've been doing, but there's some things you ought to do. There ought to be more judgment and mercy and faith in your life. So Jesus was expounding to them or, or admonishing them, should I say, there's some things that you're lacking and you ought to do them. It is a duty of a Christian to do them. It is a moral obligation to take care of them. So in the scripture there are many times, as a matter of fact, the word ought is in the scripture 97 times. 97 times the word ought is in the scripture. The Bible said in Luke 18 and 1, he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought to always pray and not faint. It's a moral obligation and it's a duty to pray. It's not if you want to. You know when Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and he started talking about prayer, he told us how to pray, amen? He, he told us don't pray on the street corner where everybody can hear us and don't pray with vain repetition. That's not what it's all about. But here's what he said. He didn't say if you pray. What did he say? When you pray. It's not an option. You can't live for God without praying. I can't live for God without praying. I, 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 I'm not here to dissect your prayer life or mine tonight. Here's what I'm going to tell you. When you get in that car and go to work, why don't you look up through that windshield and talk to God? Let me tell you something. I, I come as close this morning to losing my life as I've ever in my life, and I mean that. Because I was going down a, a road and a car pulled out of me, I still don't know. I still don't know how I missed that car. It had to be the hand of God. But when you're going down the road and you're talking to Jesus and you're, you're looking up through that windshield saying, Lord, I love you. When you bow your knee in a closet of prayer and saying, Lord, I'm here today to, to give you glory and give you prayer. When you pray, when you pray. That's why the Bible said he spoke a parable unto them to this end, to this end. This is the results of the parable that men ought to always pray and not faint. Don't quit. Somebody say don't quit. You got to keep praying. You got to pray when you don't get an answer. 
You got to pray in spite of. You got to pray always. You got to pray every day. You can't just pick certain days to pray. We ought to always pray and not faint. Somebody shout amen. Here's another one for you. In John chapter chapter 4, Jesus said, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Men ought to worship. So worship's not a suggestion. Worship is an obligation. Worship to God is is a moral duty of a child of God. You know, I don't understand people that don't like worship. I don't understand anybody that would want to be in a church that worships God. I couldn't go to a church where there's nobody raising their hands and there's nobody saying hallelujah and there's nobody saying amen and it's like, a, it's like you know, you're quiet as a church mouse and you can't move a muscle. I, I couldn't handle that. Here's what the Bible said. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain and you ought to worship. Every man everywhere ought to worship God. It's your moral obligation. If God has saved you and if he is your God, you ought to hit your knees. You ought to lift your hands. You ought to lift your voice. You ought to clap your hands. You ought to sing into the top of your lungs. You ought to make a joyful noise unto God because worship you ought to do well I don't feel like worshiping God well good then he don't feel like answering your prayer how about that I don't feel like going to church well he may not feel like coming to when you need him the next 24 hours God never slumbers or sleeps aren't you glad of that and his, his power and his, his healing and his glory and his anointing is not predicated on how dead you are. He's just going to be God in the middle of the night. He's going to be God when he always, everywhere and always, he will never cease to be God. So why don't you just man up as a child of God and say, Lord, I'm going to praise you when I'm down. I'm going to praise you when I'm up. I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to worship you simply because the Bible said that we ought to worship him. We ought to worship him. Do you hear me? I said we ought to worship him. You ought to worship him so much that people get tired of you worshiping him because he's God and he deserves our worship. Amen. We keep going. I can and I will. The Bible said in Acts chapter 5, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Somebody said, well, there's a scripture that says obey the laws of the land. Would you please find that and bring it to me right after service? I'd like to know where that's at. Now, I know, I know, but it's not said like that. It's not in the Bible that way. But I believe that we ought to honor magistrates and governors and, and kings, and we, we, ought to give, we, we ought to do the things that are right and honor the laws that we live by. But let me tell you when the law is wrong. When it goes against the word of God, they were, they were up against government in Acts chapter 5 and up against some that said this is not the way. And, and Peter with the other apostles said, I'll tell you what we got to do. We got to obey God rather than man. We can't be obeying man. Let me tell you, 
Wives, obey your husbands. That's, a, that's in the scriptures, okay? But you don't obey them when they go against the word of God. Well, amen. You got to obey God rather than man. And if there's a law in this land that says dot, 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 and it is against the word of God, I'm not obeying that law. I'm going to obey the law of God because Peter said we ought, it's a moral obligation. It's a duty of the church. We ought to obey God rather than man. Somebody said amen. Here we go. Here's Romans chapter 15. Boy, this is good stuff. And I didn't get them all. I just, I just brought a few of them to you. The things we ought to do as children of God. Romans 15 and 1 said, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, not to please ourselves. We ought to, we ought to, we ought to bear the, the infirmities of the weak. Now think about that. It's not a choice as a child of God that, that you have a choice whether you care or not, whether you do the right thing or not. The Bible said you ought to do that. It is a moral obligation. When you see a brother that is weak, you got to pick him up. You got to you got to bear the infirmity. I dare you to go study that word infirmity. It's not just about sickness. It's about weakness. It's about things that people go through. It's not just about the flu. It's not just about COVID-19. That's not all the infirmities there are. But I'll tell you what infirmities are. They're sicknesses and they're problems and they're situations. And you ought to bear them up. You ought to pick them up. The Bible said, we that are strong, we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak not to please ourselves. Sometimes you got to get down where it hurts and do what you have to do as a child of God to help a brother or a sister in need. It's a moral obligation. It's a duty. It's what you should do. So Paul again says in Ephesians 5 and 28, he used this word often. Matter of fact, there's a lot of them that I, I didn't bring or several that I didn't bring to, to, to talk about tonight. But I just picked a few of them because here's what he said. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. The Bible said a man ought to love his wife like he loves his own, own body. So if you love yourself, you ought to love your wife that way. I could at least heard amen out of the women. For God's sake, I'm preaching for you tonight. Amen. The Bible said a man ought to love his wife like his own body. He that loveth his wife, he that loveth his wife, loveth who? Himself. If you love your wife, you love yourself. You ought to do that because that's an obligation from the Word of God. That's not a suggestion. That is a moral obligation. Here's another one in Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest that any time we should let them slip. Now, I want, to, I want to pause in that scripture for just a moment tonight. We ought to give more earnest heed. 
it's an obligation for us to give earnest heed to the things which we know about, the things which we've heard along the way. You know, we, we live in a world that wants to throw everything that has been away. Now, look, I'm not hung up on tradition. Please understand me. I, I like some traditions. There's some tradition. You know what my dad used to say? You know what that is? It's a, it's a grave with both ends knocked out of it. It's just a rut. Some traditions, I wouldn't give you 15 cents for, but some traditions are good. You can't throw everything out that it was in the past. After all, the past has got us to where we are right now. The past has brought us to this hour. Come on, somebody. The past has got us to where we are right now. You can't say everything back then was bad or it's not necessary or we don't need that. The the Paul said, therefore, you ought to give earnest heed to the things which you've heard, lest at any time you should let them slip. And the connotation of that verse was like a boat that was, that was secured in the harbor, that because of the storm and the wind, you go study it, 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 it slipped and it drifted away. You can drift away from the things of God very easily. You can drift away from the things of old very easily. Sometimes you got to go back to the old landmarks. You got to give earnest heed to the things which you've heard in your lifetime. There's some things that I will treasure forever that I will hold on to to the day I die. You know why? Because they're powerful and anointed and they got me to where I am today. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm going to give earnest heed to the things that I've heard in my past. Hallelujah. Every once in a while I find myself when I'm by myself talking to myself and to a dead man. A man called G.E. Chance who raised me in truth. I found myself just this week, I don't even remember where I was at, but I remember saying it, don't worry, Dad, I'm still going to preach that truth. I found myself saying that. You know why? I'm giving more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Paul said, you got to remember those things. That's gospel. That's light. That's anointing. That's what got you out of the pit you were in. That's what saved you when you were lost. That's what brought you to Calvary's cross. That's why you're where you are. You're not here by happenstance. You're not here. You're here on purpose because God sent a preacher and a powerful man of God somewhere in your life to stir your soul with the word of God and you found yourself at an altar of repentance and you gave your heart to God and he filled you with the Holy Ghost and changed you. You know what I hear people say? Well, all that's not necessary anymore and everybody everybody thinks nowadays that you don't you're not supposed to get emotional in church and if you're going to talk in tongues we'll take you to a side room honey I want this to be an apostolic tongue talking I'll run in Holy Ghost dancing on the head of the devil church because that's the way it came and that's the way it's going to stay if we are going to be what God wants us to be hallelujah I don't think it ought to be out of the way is anybody with me tonight Give more earnest heed to the things which you've heard, lest at any time 
the old knot began to slip and the first thing you know, you drift out of the harbor and you're out in the sea without anybody guiding you and helping you. You ought to hold on to the truths that you've heard. That's a moral obligation. That's a duty as a child of God. Let me hurry. Here's you another one. James said, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not to be or ought not so to be. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. Does anybody here have trouble with your tongue? I should have had 100% amen right then because it's the most unruly part of our body. Somebody does you wrong, you may not hit them with a left hook, but you can tongue lash them to death. Anybody here have any trouble saying things you shouldn't say? Blessing and cursing, he said, shouldn't come from the same mouth. Blessing, I want it to sink in. It's for me, it's for you, it's for all of us. Blessing and cursing cannot come from the same mouth. Either you're going to speak and speak the things of God and do the things of God, or, you need, or you're going to, to say the things that you shouldn't say and be the man you shouldn't be. He said, you can, he said in another place, bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same well. Amen? Praise God. I wish every member of this church was here tonight because these are things we ought to be aware of. 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, 1 John 4, 11, If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. I preached about unity here Sunday. If you wasn't here, you missed it. And it was a 17-minute sermon on unity because that's all the time I had. I could finish it up tonight, another 17 minutes if I had time. But the facts are, if God loved us, it's a moral obligation. It's a duty of a Christian to love one another. It didn't give any, it didn't give any kind of guidelines. It didn't say, love them if they're pretty, love them if they're fat, love them if they're skinny, love them if they're bad, love them if they're mean. Love them. It just said, love them. Just love them. Everybody say love them. It didn't give you any options. Well, I don't like the way they walk. So? I don't like the way they talk. Huh? God didn't say anything about that. He said because God loved us, it's a moral obligation for you to love people. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. That's what I preach Sunday. That's how people know you're a Christian. You can wear your dresses to the floor. You can wear your sleeves to your fingertips. You can pile your hair up six foot high. You can shave your hair off the side of your head and look like a 57 Buick with both doors open. But that don't make you God and that don't make you holy. What makes people know that you're a Christian is when you have love for one another. Well, that's truth. Man, so if, we, if God loved us, 
we don't have a choice. We ought to love one another. It's a moral obligation. That's the, du- that's the duty of a Christian. Amen. You can't, look, if you think for a minute you can hate people and be saved, you are exactly wrong. You cannot hate people and be saved. Now look, 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 look. I'm not, and I'm not giving you any way out, but, but listen to this. There are some people that you have to love at a distance. Come on now. Even Jesus had an inner circle. Go look at it. Even Jesus had people that were closer to him. You do. I do. We all do. But if even though you may not be best friends with that person, you still have to love them. You can't let the, the bitter things come out of your mouth. Let me tell you something else. I, I, I've, been, I, I've had it in my notes and I'm going to preach it. It's just the right time hasn't come yet. But, but the freedom of forgiveness, the freedom of forgiveness, when somebody does something to you, it doesn't give you a license to destroy them and to say bad things. If somebody comes to you and says, forgive me, or matter of fact, they don't even have to come to you. If you can't forgive them, God can't forgive you. And so you're in a predicament. There's freedom in forgiveness. And forgiveness will bring love one to another. Amen? So I'm just, I'm just doing some good Wednesday night stuff here. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Let me give you one more. Some of you won't like this one. Jesus was talking, and he said, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought to wash one another's feet. Oh, we hadn't had that in a while. We probably need to do that again because that's good humility. Amen? I said that's good humility. I know people that would never get involved in that. Ah, it's not necessary. Well, Jesus said, you know, if your Lord and Master's washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. You ought to be humble enough to do that. There's, there's just so many things, and I, I wish I had time to talk to, about every one of them in the Word of God of the moral obligation of a child of God. You see, we're not like the world. We, we're not cookie-cutter Christians. We're not all just alike. Everybody don't think alike. Everybody don't dress alike. Everybody don't talk alike. Everybody, we're not all alike. Everybody say, thank God. Thank God. Wouldn't this be a boring world if we was all just alike? Wouldn't we have a mess on our hands? We're not all just alike, but here's what we are. We're saved by the grace of God. And with that comes some moral obligations and things that we ought to be aware of and ought to do in our life. You see, everything is not written in the Scriptures, everything. As a matter of fact, there are some things that are principled. And I, I, I could deal with this in depth if I, if I had time tonight. The Bible don't spell out everything that is sin and everything that is not sin. 
It doesn't spell it out. The, the Bible talks about transgressions against the law of God. There are some things that weren't discovered back when, but they are there in principle. You believe that? They're there in principle. Because you see, uh, now, now the, basic, the basic sins of, of the flesh and the carnal man and the things that, that are in the Scripture, yes, they're there. And I'm not trying to add to the Scripture or take anything away from the Scripture. But I want to tell you they didn't have marbles when Moses was alive. They didn't have Budweiser. They had adultery. They had fornication. They had lying and cheating and stealing and backbiting. That's just always been human nature. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Every little dotting of the I and crossing of the T that Christians ought to do may not be written in word, but it's in principle. There are some things that are principle in the word of God. And you know the Bible said to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is a, come on, say it with me. To him it is a sin. To him that knoweth to do good and do, you know what the Bible said? Let not your good be evil spoken of. Boy, there's, I, I could teach here for a while tonight. I'm just right down where we live right now. I wish every member of this church would hear what I'm about to, or what I'm saying here tonight because there's some things that we just don't do as children of God. Our light has to shine. We're a city set on a hill. We cannot put our candle under a bushel. If we're going to reach our world, it's going to be doing the things that we ought to do, things that we're moral obligation to do, things that God wants us to do. If you're going to be his representative, if you're going to be his ambassador, You've got to represent him well and you've got to stand tall for truth and do what God wants you to do. There's some places God don't want me to be. There's some things that God don't want me to be involved in. Well, the Bible don't say anything about it. No, but there's just some things. Look, if the world looks at it evil, why in the world are some of the people in the church trying to partake of it if the world looks at it as evil? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to represent him well. I want to do his will. I want to live for him every day of my life. And to do that, you got to do what you ought to do. What is your moral obligation and your duty as a child of God? You are bound by that in the word of God.